you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. If you would ask a random group of adults to name one problem that all teenagers will experience at some point, the issue of identity would be named by many of them. Throughout the ages, the teen years have been connected to the question of, who am I? As young people develop and mature in their personhood. Add today's changing definitions of gender into the mix, and it has become even more confusing for many adolescents. So instead of just struggling with a sense of self-worth or a healthy self-image, there are often questions of sexuality and gender in the mix to answer as well. In the past, many adults were more prone to assume their teens would somehow find themselves sooner or later. Unfortunately for many, it has become much, much later these days, with many young adults still seeking to understand self. It should also be recognized that identity, gender, and other self problems are being faced by children who have not yet entered their teen years. Therefore, it's essential that this cluster of problems be faced head-on, with the clarity needed to cut through the confusion fostered by the world, Satan, and our own sinful flesh. When teenagers are seeking to understand self, a variety of problems can develop, which touch on gender, body, and even personality issues. There are more complicated identity issues out there that fall into a more psychiatric category, things like dissociative disorders, multiple personality disorder, etc., and thus these will fall outside the scope of this particular podcast. What we will zero in on are three typical problems that impact our teens as they learn to know and live as the person made in the image of God. First, there's gender identity disorder. In a time where gender and sexuality are considered to be no longer synonymous, Gender identity disorder occurs when a person does not identify with his or her biological sex. As the problem becomes more persistent, the teen will become increasingly miserable with his or her gender and more desirous to be known by the other gender. Second, there's body image disorder. Most teenagers don't like some aspect of their bodies, big ears, crooked nose, too overweight, etc., But young people with an actual body image disorder think about their real or perceived body flaws for hours upon hours every day. This preoccupation may lead to other problems, including social anxiety, isolation, bitterness, and even depression. Then third, we need to talk about self-problems today. The modern notion of self-esteem is the subjective value or worth a person holds for self. A teenager struggling with low self-esteem has a negative or severely deficient view of self or a poor self-image. This is also equated by the experts with not loving self enough, according to a more psychological view of how a person should perceive self. Low self-esteem can also be referred to as having a deep sense of inferiority. 
While each of these three identity issues reveal what is going on in the heart of our teens. So let's dig down deep into the biblical principles that must be addressed. Who am I? That's a fundamental question most teenagers are seeking to answer. Unfortunately, teens don't typically use God's word as the starting place for their search. Instead, they often find their identity in status, popularity, possessions, beauty, athletic skills, and personality. Thankfully, many of our Christian teenagers mature and grow in Christ, thereby letting go of those identity-forming idols. But then there are those who get stuck in an enslavement to self, a confusion of gender identity, or even a rebellious rejection of God's created order. The reality is that all of our teenagers need to learn what God's Word has to say about the human being. In order to embrace a proper identity as an individual, they need to know what is true about all people. The beauty of our uniqueness comes from the grand design of a Creator and the love of God for all His people in Jesus Christ. So let's consider the following biblical principles to address common identity struggles as well as to teach every one of our teens how they need to view self biblically. First, we need to go over the truth about the image of God. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness, Genesis 1.26. While it is a challenge to truly know all that it means to be made in God's image, the primary truth to revel in is that humans are made in the image of God. Human beings are not just the same as the animals or any of the rest of God's creation. We have not evolved from lower life forms or simply exist as a random mixture of chemicals, proteins, and hormones. Humans alone are image bearers, designed to understand who we are in relationship to God. We are unique creations in every way. So this is the starting point for the search for teenage identity. Even as sinners, we are still made in the image of God. Even in our weakness and brokenness, we are made in the image of God. When our teens' identities are in anything else but as creatures made in the image of God, then they are already confused. When our teens aren't thoroughly God-centered in their understanding of self, they will not view their personhood rightly which will lead to all sorts of self-related problems. So let's then talk about identity as it relates to sex and gender. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 1.27 Inextricably linked to being made in the image of God is the truth that all humans are created either male or female. God's Word establishes the fact of the normative connection between biological sex and gender. While we are currently being pressed to accept a distinction between sex and gender, this is merely a man-made definition, not a God-made construction. This is not to say that there aren't teens whose behaviors and attitudes don't conform with their biological sex and are thereby confused. 
What it does mean is that teenagers haven't been given the privilege or responsibility by God to choose a different gender than their God-assigned sex. So when one is committed to God's word, he or she recognizes the sanctity of one's own biological sex. It is only our sin that attempts to create a distinction between our genetic sexuality and the gender we desire. After visiting a psychiatrist, the parents of 14-year-old Cassie don't know what to do now that Cassie has been officially diagnosed with gender identity disorder, GID. Their daughter has never identified with typical girls, and she has been doing internet searches on the process of transitioning. So they're wondering if they should let her explore another gender expression in order to clear up her confusion. Certainly, there would be some experts that would say that the most compassionate parenting would be just to get out of the way and let Cassie choose for herself. Other counselors would even encourage Cassie's parents to proactively seek medical help and treatment to resolve her GID. But a biblical counselor would help these parents stand firm on God's view of sex and gender. They must be the spiritual leaders in Cassie's life, teaching her that she is made in the image of God as a female, and that will never change. As insensitive as it seems to the world's ears, Cassie's parents must not give any ground to a process that will resolve GID by helping her transition to be a man. Cassie will need biblical counseling, of course, won't she? When a teenager is confused about his or her gender, it is essential to understand where the true problem lies. Why does Cassie not identify with other girls? Does she not typically enjoy feminine activities or conversations? Is she insecure about her body? Or does it have more to do with relationships with the opposite sex? There are certainly many understandable reasons why a young teenage girl may question her femininity. But she needs to be encouraged to not only embrace her femaleness, but to recognize that not all teenage girls conform to the same expression of femininity. There is a spectrum of what it means to be feminine and masculine without crossing over to the other biological type. Unfortunately, our teens are often hearing and reading things that tempt them into wondering if they need to change genders. Since that is out of the question biblically, what they will need is training and exhortation to learn how to properly live out a proper gender identity. Which leads us to answer the transgenderism question. Barry is about to begin hormone treatments in order to transition to a female. His announcement that he wants to be called Mary has rocked his church's youth group. Barry has moved beyond the confusion of gender identity disorder and arrived at the perceived reality that he is a woman trapped in a 17-year-old man's body. Now, at this point, we have a responsibility to offer wise counsel to both Barry and all the members of the youth group, don't we? There may still be time to talk with a teen like Barry, showing him that there is no God-given freedom given to human beings to dichotomize sex and gender. Even if he feels more like a girl, God has created him male and expects him to think, behave, and mature as a young man. His desires to transition are sinful and must be confessed if he seeks to follow Christ as his disciple. 
To follow through and transition to a woman would be to reject the identity of Christian as well as the authority of God's word. Whether or not Barry becomes Mary, we have a more dicey challenge with the members of the youth group, don't we? Our modern cultural virtues of tolerance and acceptance would require them to only be affirming, not judge Barry, not confront or give advice, and only use the desired gender-specific labels. But while we certainly want other Christian teens to be loving, gracious, and compassionate, they need to know their responsibility to speak the truth in love. Barry needs to be respected as an image bearer, but also needs to be confronted in his sin. What good does it do any of our teens to be accepted into a Christian group where no one addresses sin or even renames sinful behavior into normal behavior? It may make things uncomfortable for a while, but if Barry continues to come to church and youth group, he needs to hear the truth of God's word on transgenderism. He doesn't need to be shunned or avoided. He needs loving biblical confrontation. The rest of the youth group will need scriptural clarity from parents and youth workers alike on this sinful identity disorder. Now let's talk more about a teen's sense of self. Logic tells us that our teens can have a fairly accurate self-image, an overly high self-image where they think way too highly of themselves, or a low self-image where they believe they are somewhat worthless. Much of the current focus is how harmful and destructive a low self-esteem is in our teenagers with the corresponding solution of elevating that self-esteem. While you may believe a teen is suffering from low self-esteem, it is essential to first distinguish between the self by nature and the self by grace. Well, what do we mean by that? Well, when we think highly of ourselves by nature, then we are operating from sinful pride There is nothing in and of ourselves that should give us a high self-esteem. In other words, teenagers need to understand that by nature, they are children of wrath, Ephesians 2, verse 3, not children of God. The self by nature has nothing to truly esteem because it is a sinful nature, totally depraved without Christ. If your teenager is struggling with low self-esteem, start by affirming to him that there's nothing in self that we can really accept or even like because of our fallen natures. But you must always follow up that bad news about the natural self with the good news of God's grace for sinners. First, by God's common grace, we have all been made in the image of God. So as I've already stated, our teen's sense of identity must begin with that fact. While the image of God has been marred by sin, we can have a healthy sense of self because we are image bearers. Then, if the teenager is a Christian, he or she also enjoys the love of God, mercy of God, and the saving grace of God. A self by grace is something to be rightly esteemed. Our worth, therefore, is not in our human nature, but in the grace of God for sinners. It is vital that teens understand this theological but practical distinction. 
We certainly should not want them to esteem self highly based on some human-centered quality or characteristic. And we don't want them to not esteem self at all, overlooking and even denying God's grace for self. In the end, a positive sense of self-worth or self-esteem must be rooted in God's gracious creation and providence, or it will unfortunately produce sinful pride instead. Then teen identity confusion can be cleared up when they see self as master and slave. Angie is a 16-year-old struggling with low self-esteem. She certainly needs to be instructed in the truths of the self by nature and the self by grace. But there's another important lesson that will help teens like Angie who are struggling with self and identity confusion. The Apostle Paul writes that we are to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, Ephesians 4.22. The central problem with the old self is it seeks to deify itself and crown itself as king of its own little universe. So the self seeks to first be master of all, making the problem of self-idolatry the most destructive problem of all. Angie's low self-esteem may be driven by the desire to be in control of her life, to be fully loved and accepted by others. What may be really hurting is her pride as her peers reject her, bringing shame and humiliation. Angie needs to recognize how she is trying to be the master of her universe, unwilling to submit to King Jesus. This is the power of the old self, her old identity, of which she needs to be set free. Then teenagers like Angie need to learn a corresponding truth about the self. The same self that seeks to be master is also a slave. The old self is enslaved to itself and to the sinful nature. This truth is another reason the world's view of low self-esteem is deficient. It leaves out the fact of the sinful nature, only seeing the self as good or innocent. Our sin has a way of convincing self that we are autonomous, self-determining beings. Angie's self believes it should rule its own universe, but it is fooled by the myth that it is actually free to do so. Any efforts towards being more in control will only bring self-doubt and the related low self-esteem. Even if Angie somehow convinces herself that she is great and wonderful and marvelous, it is only fueling her captivity to her sinful pride. When she understands that the self as master is also the self as slave, she can see that the route to joy and peace does not come by way of greater self-esteem. The old self must be put off so the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness, can be effectively put on. Ephesians 4.24 This doesn't mean that all Christian teens always have a proper self-esteem and a healthy identity. It can be a regular fight to depose the self as king, recognizing that we no longer are enslaved to self, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's move on to the identity issue of self-love. To some, the solution to each and every identity, gender, and self-related problem is to learn to love self more. This would be especially true for a teen like Angie. At first glance, her body image disorder 
must be rooted in a hatred for self, and that's why she can't find herself. Yet the biblical truth is that we all come out of the womb self-absorbed with an inordinate love of self. Accordingly, the love of self is not something that has to be learned. It is something all people already do very well. What teens must deal with is their tendency and temptation to love themselves more than they love God or other people. So while Angie may be extremely self-critical when it comes to certain aspects of her body, this is really out of a deep love and concern for self. The truth is what Paul writes in Ephesians 5, For no one ever hated his own flesh, his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it. Teaching teens to love self more only leads to the problems of the last days where people will be lovers of self. Paul describes this to his spiritual son Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 1 and 2. One way to help a teen like Angie think more biblically about her body is to talk about her mirror. What if she woke up every day, gazed into the mirror, and thought things like, I am so beautiful. My hair is gorgeous. My eyes, nose, and ears are perfect. My body shape is fantastic. I am a work of art. Someone might say, boy, Angie, you are one arrogant gal. But more realistically, Angie probably wakes up, looks in her mirror, and says, You are so overweight and dumpy looking. I hate those big ears. Your hair is too frizzy. There's nothing desirable about this body, that's for sure. So the first approach might be described as self-love, while the latter would be thought of as self-hate. But the reality is that both perspectives share one huge failing. They are totally self-focused. The problem is not what the final assessment of my body is. It is the fact that I'm obsessed with my body in the first place. No, we're not telling teens like Angie to avoid all mirrors or neglect caring for her body. She must be challenged to stop focusing on self, her body most of all, and start focusing on more eternal things. Do you see how teaching Angie to love her body more takes her down an unbiblical path? A self-focus leads to either self-exaltation or self-pity, which are both sinful. Then there's the biblical principle of denying and dying to self. By their very nature, identity problems tend to force us to focus on helping teenagers view themselves in the right way. While that is important, It may overlook the central priority which really aims for the heart. In the search for self, it can become all about me at the expense of God and others. Listen to the words of King Jesus in Luke 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. What does it mean for our teens to learn to deny self? Clearly, it is more than denying themselves the luxuries of this life in some sort of self-deprived monasticism. To deny self is to say no to the fleshly desires of self. But it is also about making the glory of God our preoccupation rather than our own glory. 
It is focusing on pleasing God rather than pleasing self. Rather than seeking to feel better about all aspects of self, it is keeping self from being the obstacle to loving God and other people. While teens are often caught up in self-indulgence, a life of denying self is what Christ prescribes for them. Jesus goes on in verse 24 to tell his disciples, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Connected to the obligation of each Christian to take up his cross in order to follow him, we are to deny self and die to self. The cross is the instrument of death we take up in order to crucify self and its desires. So rather than simply building teenagers' self-esteem or just helping them to find self, they should be losing themselves in Christ. This is part of what is meant by our union with Christ as believers. The cries of our teens' hearts must be less of me, more of Jesus, in order to be faithful disciples of Christ. Angie's struggle with her body image will only begin to subside as she seeks to die to her own self-idolatry. Our teenagers who are self-centered must die to self by loving God and other people well. When it comes to identity confusion, we want our teens to have an accurate view of self, don't we? Listen to how the Apostle Paul speaks to the problem of self in Romans 12:3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. This verse speaks beautifully to the great temptation to exalt self or to think more highly of ourselves than we ought. So how do we help our teenagers think about themselves with a sober judgment? For one thing, maybe a teen who is down on himself is actually judging self accurately. You will need to find out exactly why the teen has that particular perception. Maybe he sees his sin and is grieving over it. Or maybe he is fearful of self, knowing how easily he can mess up relationships. Now, this accurate view of sin and weakness can easily turn into self-pity or self-absorption. As Paul says, it takes a God-given faith in order to have an accurate view of self. Our teens need to learn to rely on the Holy Spirit to not think too highly of self, but to know themselves well. Another piece of important wisdom is written to the church at Galatia in Galatians 6.3. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Many of the identity problems we see in our teens today involve a lot of self-deception. The seduction of a social media culture that is all about me, preoccupied with taking selfies and constantly looking for likes takes its toll on the teenage heart. Add to that the deception of thinking that loving self is the highest virtue keeps our teens confused, anxious, and angry. Even Christian teens can come to believe that they are naturally good and righteous people missing the grace of God in their lives. To have a right understanding of self, teenagers must accurately know their sinfulness 
and their need for Jesus. Resist the simplistic view of thinking teens only need to be praised and loved when they need also to believe the truth about self. In the end, our identity issues should be all about esteeming Christ. Here's a final word to teens who are struggling with all sorts of identity issues from Colossians 3, verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. As hard as this union with Christ is to understand, it cuts through the confusion when embraced by faith. Dying to self in the death of Christ means that my identity is in him, not in myself. So as important it is for teens to have an accurate self-image and accurate identities, as well as a right understanding of sexuality and gender, the better direction is to move them on to esteeming Christ in a greater measure. How much does a teenager really esteem Christ? Is he or she seeking to know Christ more or just to know self more? While it is tempting to focus on who I am in Christ, it is so much better to know who Christ is in me. Esteeming Christ should define the Christian life, even in teens who are immature in their overall identity. The one way to dissolve any temptation to self-righteousness is to be grateful daily for the righteousness of Christ in our lives. Since we are inclined to love self more than love God and others, the only antidote is a growing love and esteem for Christ. A maturing Christ esteem tells me who I am, what I was made for, and whose I am. All identity confusion becomes clear when in the context of Christ in me, the hope of glory. Now, if you want to read more about helping teens to solve their problems biblically, remember my forthcoming book, Pursuing a Heart of Wisdom, Counseling Teenagers Biblically, available from Christian Focus in September 2019. In a world that is so energetically working to confuse our teenagers when it comes to gender, sexuality, and overall identity, the only hope remains in a true and growing love for God and His perfectly righteous ways. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.